smashed. And I'm like, yeah. do I need to go cry real quick? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like on the brink of tears sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's just- yeah. I mean, there's people who stink, <laughs> you know, they don't know it, but it's okay. <laughs> I don't know. From the outside, you think like, oh, it's just a hobby. You're just, it's just like an activity, yeah. but like, it's so life-changing. Women tend to cry more than men. He would grab my like lapel or something like that. And I was like, I, you, you own that. I could just yeah. take my, you want the gi? Like, what? <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Elbows Tight Podcast. It's your host, Travis. Today, I have a wonderful conversation with Andrea. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Thanks for Hi. having me. No, thank you for reaching out. Um, like we mentioned beforehand, uh, we started following each other on Instagram. I saw that you had a documentary, and I, I don't even think it was like five minutes after following you. I was already watching it. And, uh, <laughs> That's awesome. It's super interesting, and I can't wait to, to talk about it more. Um, and and just how you got into wanting to make a documentary and everything like that. But uh, let's just like jump straight into who you are. How, how did your personal journey of jujitsu start and uh, what inspired you to uh, to want to do it? Yeah, I think I'm a typical wife. Um, my husband was training for about a year and, um, you know, it was always something that like I was I just thought I was going to hate it. You know, I was like, no, that's it's I'm not very confrontational. I, mm. I don't like to argue except with my husband. I'll argue with him. <laughs> Um, so he, he gets the good side of me. Um, but you know, it, it just kind of came down to, he was like, you know what, you, you really need to learn some self-defense. It's fine if you don't stick with it, but like, you need to go to a few classes, learn some self-defense. And I was like, okay, you're right. Like that makes sense. Um, and so I started taking some women's classes and I was like, I realized that uh, there, I had this image of myself as like this badass who wasn't afraid of fighting and I wasn't that. And the only way to try to become that was to do jujitsu, even though it was really scary and intimidating. So I kind of forced myself to stick it out. And your husband had already been doing it at the time, right? You guys were both white belts around the same time. Yeah. He actually got his blue belt like the week before I started training. Oh, okay. What was that like watching his journey before jumping in? I think that was a big reason why I decided to start doing it because, you know, I don't know. I just watched how difficult it was for him and also like Mm. how much it changed him. Like it really mellowed him out quite a bit. And he got this like control over himself that I thought was like, it was just cool to see that change. And and I didn't, I don't know, from the outside, you think like, it's just a hobby. You're just, it's just like an activity, but like, it's so life-changing and seeing that happen to somebody that you're so close to kind of makes you reconsider whether it's worth doing it, even though it is really intimidating. Yeah, I don't think it gets enough. Ju- I mean, I'm sure for people that do jujitsu, it gets enough justice. But for the like you you mentioned, the outside perspective, the mental health aspect of like doing it, doing something mm-hmm. difficult, getting your butt kicked multiple times a week and everything like that. Yeah, it, I I notice uh, a drastic difference when I don't train regularly versus when I do train. Is that yeah. something that you're experiencing too? Yeah, I think uh, and and I always like talking about the mental health with jujitsu because I think we a lot of times talk about like how it gives you the self-esteem, but at the beginning it kind of starts by like really attacking your self-esteem. Like why do I suck so much at this? Um, But I think that, you know, being able to go through that and learn that you can get better at something and that not only can you get better at that, but you can also handle it if you do suck at it or if, you know, even just the physical stuff, if somebody sits on top of you for a whole five minutes, you can handle it. And I think that's where a lot of the the mental health comes in. I forgot what you asked me. <laughs> what did you ask? No, it was me? it was that it was like <laughs> okay. it's like have you noticed that you know what I mean? Like your yeah. mental health, like when you don't yeah. train regularly. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I get like a lot more um, easily bothered by things if I'm not 
you know, going into jujitsu and reminding myself that I can do things that really suck. Your journey is like very interesting too, because you pretty much, you said what you did two a month or two before you actually started filming the documentary of, of yeah. jujitsu. It was kind of like, so we were traveling full time. And so it was really difficult to like kind of commit to getting started. So what would happen would be like, I just kind of tag along with Tyler every once in a while and like show up at random gyms um, for one class and then just be like, "Uh, I'm okay, you know? And so it was kind of like over maybe six months, I had taken like four or five classes. um, And it was just really hard to keep showing up because it was really intimidating and I didn't ever get my own kind of community there. Yeah. But then I... I think it was going back to the place that Tyler had started because he knew them all really well. They did have women's classes, which was a little bit less intimidating. And um, I was just like, okay, I'm just going <laughs> to – only one way through it is to just keep showing up and commit to it. All right, Elbros, I've got a new sponsor, and it couldn't be a better fit for you guys. And let me tell you, it's a sick product. Grapple Guard Body Wash is the partner on and off the mats against terrible skin infections and your ticket to ultimate freshness. Guys, you know the deal. Hours of sweaty, hot murder yoga, like we like to call it, calls the need for a thorough cleanup. Grapple Guard Body Wash is an antifungal, antimicrobial superhero ready to smash any skin critters before they become an actual problem. This isn't just a soap, though. It's a secret weapon tailored to grapplers like us. But here's the real kicker. Grapple Guard isn't just about smelling great and feeling refreshed after you struggle snuggle. It's a rear naked choke to infections like ringworm, staph infection, and more, like I said. Listen, Grapple Guard isn't just your usual jujitsu body wash either. These guys went to great lengths to make sure these ingredients were many belt levels above the soap you currently use for infection defense. Now, here comes the best part. If you're one of the fast ones to snag this deal, you'll get 25% off plus free shipping within the US. It's a deal that's more exciting than your first sub. Head over to grappleguardsoap.com and enter code ELBOWSTIGHT25 to secure your discount. This is more than just cleaning up. It's a grappling experience you won't want to miss. Thank you, Grapple Guard, for sponsoring this episode. Would you say the women's only class was kind of like what finally was like, okay, I'll do this. Like they're, they're, I don't have to worry about these big sweaty guys and yeah. like getting hurt <laughs> by people and stuff like that. Was it the women's side that was like, oh, okay, cool. I can go be with women. Yeah, I think that was a huge part of it. And I have thought about this so much. I can't, I still can't put my finger on exactly why, you know, because there are women who are bigger and smaller and stronger and more aggressive and less aggressive. And so you still deal with all of that. Um, But I I guess it's just, I don't know, maybe just like the touching people, you know, you you don't really like touch the opposite sex in a non-sexual way. So it's kind of like, right. I don't go around high five and every, every chick I see. Exactly. Kind of getting over that, I feel like was was a big part of it. But yeah, I mean, the women's class in particular, I think, really was a big a big reason for me to commit to start going. Because every time before that, actually, you know, I did have like a really short stint in Salt Lake City where I went to a couple women's classes in a row. I went to like two of them, you know, instead of just one. And um, I think that it was just so much more comfortable. I think it was a huge reason why I decided to commit to it. So was it? Jiu-jitsu, like chicken or the egg, was jiu-jitsu the reason you started the documentary or was the documentary the reason you started jiu-jitsu? Uh, jiu-jitsu was the reason I started the documentary. Um, so I like making documentaries. I had made one about us traveling full-time in our RV and I made like a little series about hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
basically when I decided to start training jujitsu, um, Tyler was like, you should film this just in case. And then in that moment, I was like, God damn it. This is the next project. This is it. Like I'm, I'm now committed to like a two year <laughs> huge thing that's about to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So you made a documentary before. Did you go to school for documentaries or filmography or anything like that? No, I actually am a theater major. Um, mm. So I really focused on dance um, and I, I was kind of focusing on choreography and storytelling through dance, which is kind of where those worlds meshed. And then after I graduated, I got really into making dance films um, and then eventually got kind of, I don't know, I think I got really burnt out with dance. Um, I was doing a lot of projects. I was teaching a ton. And uh, I ended up liking the film side more of it. So um, when we moved into the RV, I was like, this is, would be a really interesting documentary, I think. So let's let's try this out and see if I can make a film project that's not like about dance and if I can just stand on the film side of things. Yeah, one thing that you you your husband, I think, inadvertently did by telling you to film it for the documentary is like for personal growth as you as well because you're able to see yourself so much and yes. the progression you make during your journey do you how do you look back at like the video when you were editing when you first started you're like oh my god <laughs> oh my what god. am I doing yes oh my god the okay there's this moment in the documentary where I finally am like uh, you know I I've like, okay, I really tried tonight, you know, like I really, I was really going for it. And I was like, I did, I had a plan and I did it. And I'm going watching, it's a hip bump sweep, right? I come all the way up to standing and then I just kind of flap down on top of her. And that was my big win moment. I was like, oh my God. And I remember how it felt in that moment. It felt like such a win, like such a success. And I go back and look at it. I'm like, what was I doing? It's so funny. But like, and even watching some of that early stuff, just seeing how like timid I was and I wasn't, I wasn't fighting, you know, and that was such a huge part of my journey is learning how to fight back and become aggressive and really like go for what I want. It, it was a little brutal to watch some of that earlier stuff. <laughs> yeah. And in the, in the documentary, you mentioned like the like emotional roller coaster that comes along with yeah. jujitsu. Can you like elaborate on like what emotional challenges you faced and how, how like going through those actually made you like stronger as a person? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, um, in my particular journey, the challenges that I faced at the beginning, I'm still facing. It's still, mm. I still cry. You know, like I think I've gone like a week and a half was, without crying. To which interrupt, I'm like, woo. <laughs> to interrupt real quick. That was yeah. like an incredible thing to hear as yeah. like a, a man's perspective from it on just how big that was. And so many, like even the high level women, I was like, that's, that's crazy to me. I've, yeah. I've never seen it, but to know it's so, it's such a big thing. I was like, that's an eye opener for like being a guy in jujitsu. That's a huge eye opener. Sorry. Yeah. No, I mean, I, that was so interesting to me too. I mean, through the survey, I saw that I think it was 77% or 70, somewhere around that. I have them here, but of course I didn't like pull them up yet. Um, but it was like <laughs> somewhere around like three quarters of women. See, now I lost it. I think it was 70, like 77%. 77%, yeah, yeah. of women have cried while training jiu-jitsu. And I'm like, you know, I, as I was doing that survey, I was like, yeah, I've talked to a lot of women who like have cried. And I'm hoping, you know, maybe it's like around 40 or 50, you know, and just here's 77. And I think that's like, I had no idea, you know, and it was so helpful just to talk to like a couple other women who are like, okay, I've gone and locked myself in the bathroom and cried. I have cried while I'm rolling. I have cried before and after class. And it's, I don't know. I think um, especially for women, I don't think you can really argue with just the statistics of that women tend to cry more than men, just as kind of like 
broad statistics. And it's so difficult to go into jujitsu and experience those feelings of like, I suck, I'm being smashed. I'm even like feeling ashamed. But then to have that extra layer on top of it of like, I have this obvious physical reaction to that, that is sometimes uncontrollable. And I have to deal with that and everybody knowing how I'm feeling and watching me kind of go through that at the same time. It's really tough. And I do still, I'm a crier. Like every time I get in a fight, I cry. Um, and so I do still deal with that when I'm training. And uh, every once in a while, I'll, you know, roll with a really big dude who just smashes me. And I'm like, fuck. And I just run to the bathroom and you just collect yourself and wipe your tears and get back out there. I think that was a really great, really great advice. Yeah. I think, I think one thing it, you're, it, it shows is like, both sides of uh, a woman in the sport, right? Because you do a fantastic job of like showcasing like, yeah, the emotional side of women, like they go through certain things, but then also like you're showing all this B-roll from like these women just kicking butt in competition, yeah. smashing men. Do you think, it, do you think showing both sides kind of challenges that stereotype of like women are smaller, weaker, emotional that some people, I'm not saying, man, that sounds kind of bad saying that, but you know, some people do feel that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's something that I am like, one of my biggest passions <laughs> is like, showing that just because women are more emotional. And I understand that's a debatable, not every woman is, but across yeah. the board, kind of statistically, just because we're more emotional doesn't mean that we can't do those things, right? So like, just because I'm crying doesn't mean I'm not going to like, get out there and get after it and like, get stronger and do these things. And I think that's what kind of a big misconception is about you know, those people who maybe see those stereotypes of women of like, oh, they're just more emotional, hysterical, all that stuff. It's like, yeah, but then I'm going to get over it. And then we're going to just move on. It's just part of the process. Yeah, I, I during it, when the, the lady said, uh, you know, I get off the mat, I go to the bathroom, I cry in the bathroom real quick, I let it out. And I just get back on the mat. Like, I'm not gonna lie, as a as a dude, sometimes I'm on the mats and I'm getting smashed. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, do I need to go cry real quick? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like on the brink of tears sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, cause yeah. it's just like, it's like, you're going through something rough in your personal life. And like, just sometimes just getting your butt kicked is like an emotional relief. Like it just brings everything out for good yeah. or bad. You know what I mean? It's like, sometimes like I'm stressed out of my mind and then I go to training and I'm getting my butt kicked and it's kind of stressful too, but it makes me feel better. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you, how do you handle all those emotions? Uh, it's still, still this day. Yeah. I think for me, when I, when I notice about myself, when I am more likely to cry in jujitsu is if I'm having low self-esteem, because it's mm. so easy to go in there and be like, I suck. Why am I doing this? Like I train jujitsu six, like five, six days a week and I'm still getting smashed. This is a joke. Right. Um, and so I think as I, I've kind of learned to, to monitor my own self-esteem levels in regards to jujitsu. So like, I know if I'm feeling really good, yeah, I'll take on that role with that big guy who I know is going to smash me. If I'm not feeling really good, I might like not today. Cause I don't feel like crying. <laughs> um, and so I think just like kind of trying to get to know myself and see how it's all about me and where I'm at. Right. It's not like anybody's doing anything bad to me. It's yeah. just about, can I handle it? Do I believe in myself? Do I like myself today? Um, and then knowing how much to put myself through in jujitsu. Yeah. People often talk about the, um, the physical growth that comes with jujitsu, like body awareness, losing weight, uh, and all that stuff. But, uh, in what ways have like, has like jujitsu helped your like mental health, uh, your personal growth and, and like, you, you know, you mentioned in there, your resilience and self-confidence, yeah. like, how has jujitsu helped that? 
I think the main thing, you know, and I said it in the documentary, um, I think the main thing is like, I've just become a fighter. Like I just, I was never okay with confrontation. I was always super shy and I would pretty much just be like, okay, great. You know, like you're, whatever you want is fine. <laughs> just don't make me like argue with you. Um, and so I think jujitsu is so cool because it's like so quickly you learn how to do things. And so it's like, yeah, I didn't know anything about this sport, whatever, six months ago. And now I'm already like choking people. Like what, if I can do that, maybe I can actually like get my point across in an argument, or maybe I can do this thing. Maybe I can confront this person who's upsetting me. Or like, if I can even just make it through being choked five times in five minutes, maybe I, I can take somebody being mean to me and it's not a big deal. Um, and so just, I think having that, that confidence to kind of put myself out there and not know if it's going to go my way or not, which I think is like all that confrontation is. That's what fighting is. It's like, I'm going to try, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to see what happens. And it's, I'm accepting, you know, I'm going to try to make it go my way, but I also know I can handle it if it doesn't. What, what part of the documentary making process was the most inspiring or surprising to you when, when it was all happening? Hmm. Oh, that's a good question. I haven't really thought of that. I think, well, there was a, a moment kind of where I was talking with Tyler because he, we do like everything together. We're like really codependent and like we spend all our time together. We own a company together and just like <laughs> we do everything together. Um, but he was just kind of talking about like, I think you could make this documentary bigger if you wanted to, because at that point I was just kind of like, doing my journey and filming myself and I was, you know, interviewing mm. my coaches and stuff like that. And he was like, I think you could make this like a really big thing that really encompasses a lot of women's perspectives in this. And um, just kind of, I think that moment was really inspiring of like, you know, we could do a survey, like we could see what women all across the country are feeling. We could uh, really reach out to people and see if we could interview, like interviewing <clears throat> people who I never would have imagined would have wanted to talk to me, you know, like, who am I? <laughs> and um, I think that was when we really started traveling to the gyms for the people that I wanted, you know, to interview and to have their perspective in the documentary. That was probably the most exciting part when that shift happened. So how did you come up with these? Cause you, if for people that haven't watched, I'll have it linked down below if you guys haven't seen it yet. Cause it's, it's great. Uh, and in there you throw over graphs and, you know, the surveys that you conducted, mm -hmm. how did you come up with those questions? Were they questions that you were having that situations you were going through that you wanted to see how common it was within the jujitsu community? Or was it like, people were like, Hey, uh, ask this question. Like, did you like <laughs> take, like, did you take community questions? I guess you could say. Yeah, oh, I didn't. Um, I didn't take community questions. I was really mostly focused on, uh, I think first and foremost, I'm a storyteller. So I was trying to think of, you know, where my journey was going, which would kind of be the backbone for the documentary. And then what, um, other women might be feeling in those same kind of situations. So I think I mainly kind of came up with the questions based on, where they would fit into the documentary. There were a few other like supplemental questions that didn't go into there that I was just curious about. Um, but yeah, it was mostly to kind of support the documentary and tell the story of like <laughs> the women all across the country. How did you, how did you get uh, them to come and do the documentary? Was it just like, Hey, I'm at the seminar. Would you, are you willing to have a quick interview or did you reach out to them online and say, Hey, can we meet up and do this and give them a breakdown of the project? 
Yeah, it was a little bit of both. Um, I think a lot of times it was kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm making our travel plans and like, okay, I want to go through kind of this little area of the country and see, I'll reach out to a bunch of gyms along this way, say, you know, I'd like to come train with you, film a class, do an interview. Um, and I think pretty much everybody said yes to where like, I didn't have to drastically change travel plans after I had made them. Um, and then a couple of times it was like, okay, I'll, we'll do a little overnight trip out to a gym where we're not necessarily staying near them, but we'll go see them. But I think it was mostly um, just reaching out and saying like, Hey, I'm doing this documentary. It's about women in jujitsu and women are so passionate about getting more women into jujitsu yes. that like, it wasn't a hard sell. It was kind of cool to see how many people were just like, yes, awesome, please. What, what was the biggest guest that you had that you were surprised that said yes, or the biggest interview? The, I think the one that I was surprised to, I mean, I honestly, so many people that I was like, why are, why are you talking to me? I'm nobody. You're so cool. You know? Um, but the one that Welcome I Welcome to having a podcast too. Right? <laughs> like, I'm nobody. Um, I think getting to talk to Theon Davies was a real surprise. Um, and especially because at that point I had kind of wrapped filming. Um, you know, we had moved to Bastrop. I had been kind of settling down, starting editing. And um, Tyler was like, Theon Davies is doing a seminar in Austin you should try to interview her. And I was like, she's not going to want to do that. And she did. And I was like, wow. That was probably the, one of the more surprising ones. But yeah, that that's so cool. Like as I was watching, I was like, oh man, there are like so many uh, mm -hmm. just like big name women in, in the sport right there. Is that inspiring to you? Like talking yeah. to these women and seeing like how successful they are and how badass and, and just like overall they are? So inspiring. And I think, you know, another inspiring thing is like just how down to earth they really all are. Um, like even reaching out to Leticia Hibero, she was just like, yes, amazing. Like, please come out to San Diego. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Um, but I also think like through, I, I selfishly got to, to hear all these things from all these women in my mind over and over again throughout my whole journey. So I, I have been replaying these sound bites in my head every time I felt down, you know, at, even before I was editing the documentary, just remembering, you know, wipe your tears and get back out there. I cry through a roll, all those things, you know, I, I quit when I was a white belt and now I'm a black belt, all that stuff. And I think, um, that's the stuff that's really inspiring to me because I don't, I don't want to be a competitor. I don't know. I haven't competed. I don't have plans on competing. Maybe that'll change. But so that, that part of it, like, it's really cool to see that women can do that. But to me, it's like, what's really inspiring is how they can stick through moments where they want to give up and how you can overcome those feelings of like, why don't I just quit? Yeah, one thing that it, it your documentary does a great job too is the the sense of like community, uh, especially mm -hmm. within like women practitioners. Like you have like the women only open mats, the women only seminars, and it's a. Uh, I think it's like super cool that they you guys have all these things. How has how has that sense of community uh, impacted your overall experience since doing jujitsu? It's so cool, like. Uh, I I noticed this in my first month. It's like the girls are so tight because there's only a couple of us and there's all these guys. And I, I feel like it's almost like a, a kind of blessing of being a woman in jiu-jitsu because it's, it's tough to be in the minority on the mats, but you get that out of it. You get that tight sense of, of like, we're all in this together. I know who's going to be there. I know who's going to have my back. And uh, it's really cool. Um, 
And actually, I felt I felt that even more at the gyms where there weren't that many women. And the gyms that yeah. have a huge women's team are are really cool, and they have kind of their own different sense of community of just like this is kind of like a, a haven for women to just come in and be badasses. Um, but I do think it's cool how how much we stick together. You know, a lot of people they discover things about themselves, especially when they start facing adversities, like through jujitsu. What was one thing that you were most surprised about besides that like you became a fighter and whatnot like mm -hmm. whether it's physical mentally like what was the one of the biggest uh things that you found out about yourself through the adversities in jujitsu hmm. i think one oh i think i i really got a better look at my own kind of like perfectionism and that's like such a buzzword right now i know everybody says that i'm a perfectionist <laughs> but um i one of the things that i really struggle with especially training as much as i do now is the obsessing over roles the replaying techniques in my head and it's almost like there's this autopilot that i'm really trying to learn to turn off <laughs> like okay jujitsu is done like shut up i'm not trying to be a competitor um, and it's interesting because I have my own goals. I know what my goals are for jujitsu, and it's not to be the best out there. It's not to execute every technique perfectly. And I'm still struggling to get that side of my brain to be like, you're, you're okay. Like you're not a failure because you didn't do that technique, right. Or because you lost all the roles today. <laughs> like that's okay. Cause that's not what you went in there for. And so I think, I think that's a really cool aspect of jujitsu too, is like, the ability to set your own goals, but also how easy it is to get swept up into the obvious goals of like just getting submissions or winning or whatever. So you guys, you and your husband own your own academy now. Uh, you're both blue belts. Um, mm -hmm. How how has being a blue belt in a sport where people look at belt colors for expertise? How is opening an academy? How is your you guys being a blue belt and having an academy? Has mm -hmm. there been any uh, friction between the two? So we uh, are kind of co-owners with a black belt. So okay. we really run like the business side of things. And we've been like <laughs> always trying to be really clear about that because like, you know, he, our, our black belt, Ray Villa, he's been doing jujitsu for, you know, over a decade. And so he knows, he knows his shit. I don't know my shit, <laughs> you know? Um, and so it, I, I still feel kind of like weird because I teach the women's class, um, but I, I just always try to like really teach the things that Ray has taught and just kind of go over them and help them get them cemented. And I, I know that, I don't know, I know how important it was for me to have a women's class to start. And I know so many other women feel that way. And we have women coming in who are like, you know, I'll go to the co-ed classes eventually. I'm just not ready for it yet, but I'd want to do jujitsu. And I'm like, you know what, that's fine. Like, just come in and start where you can start. Um, but it definitely is weird because I'm like, I don't know shit. You know, like, why are you listening to me? But I think we forget like how little people know when they come in. Like you, if you've been training for six months, you can pretty much tell somebody a lot of basics and uh, it'll be useful to them. But um, yeah, we haven't gotten any really uh, adversity for that. We stick to the basic class and uh, we took care of the branding and the marketing. And I think we've got a pretty cool brand. So <laughs> <laughs> So with women's classes, um, you know, I, I talk to women within the community and stuff like that, and I'm all for women's classes and women's self-defense classes. The only the only aspect of it is uh, I don't think it should be if a woman's training for like self-defense or something like that, then I don't think it should be the only class that they attend. I think they should attend co-ed classes. Mm -hmm. How do you, uh, especially being the uh, women's only coach, how do you 
kind of navigate, I hate using the word navigate, but how do you, how do you uh, convince people or help them to want to go join that co-ed class? So they get, cause it is a completely different experience yeah, that every woman, every guy should experience as well. Rolling with the opposite sex. Uh, cause I think it teaches you a lot about yourself and it helps you understand your own body awareness even better. So yeah. how, how do you help women be like, Hey, you really should go check out the co-ed class and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny. We haven't really been open long enough to have like too much of an issue with that. You know what I mean? We've only been open for a few months. Um, and the girls who came in immediately were like, yeah, I don't care. I'm going in, you know, like we're doing co-ed immediately. And so it's just been a little bit more recently that we've had girls who aren't quite ready to do the co-ed classes. But I think um, my plan, at least, in, in kind of helping women to transition. And I agree that, you know, like women's class is good to start and it's good to have that in your system um, just to have like kind of a girl's bonding time too. Uh, but I do think it's important to roll with uh, with men because, and I think it's good for men too. Yeah, um, But, you know, you have all the different body types in women and there's so many more different body types in men and they're stronger and they move differently and it's just good to get that variety. Um, and of course, for self-defense. I think, you know, my, my plan at least would be to kind of, you know, we always tell our women, you don't have to ever say yes to a role. You can always say no, especially if there's somebody who you don't know very well or, or you have, you know, rolled with and they make you feel uncomfortable. They make you feel like unsafe. You never have to say yes. Um, and then my other plan is just to kind of like recommend certain classes, you know, like, okay, well, maybe we do a little bit less uh, live drilling in, in a basics class. So you won't just be like shuffled around, you know, in kind of an awkward situation where it might feel weird to say no. So maybe try a basics class, come to an open mat and like, just check it out. Um, so I think just kind of like the uh, st stepping stones of getting deeper and deeper into training with the men. What, what adversities have you faced when training with, with men and women? Cause I'm sure mm -hmm. women have their own, their own set of like uh, crap moments when you're training with like a higher belt or a <laughs> oh, woman that's bigger than you too. What, uh, where, where's the crossover and what is unique about each? I think uh, training with big men, the, uh, the oh shit moment in my head is always if they have a really strong grip and like they grab my hand and I'm like, I can do nothing with this arm now. I cannot break like, the grip. Did I, I get in trouble? Move it. Yes, right? Am I grounded? <laughs> like, what is going on yeah. here? <laughs> but I'm like, okay, this, this is your hand now. Like now I have to figure out how to use my other limbs. Um, and so that to me, that's the one with like the big guys who are really strong. And it's funny because um, some guys are just so strong that they're going, you know, they're being – applying less of that force with you as a woman, which I think is, is, uh, one of those benefits of men rolling with women. You learn how to be more technical and use less, uh, brute force. Um, and they're doing that. And I still can't, I still can't do anything. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's still your hand. I appreciate you going lighter, but that's still your hand. Um, <laughs> with the women, I mean, it's just like when you roll with any really good black belt and you're like, okay, I don't, it doesn't matter what I do, what technique I know it's, it's wrong because you are going to tie me up in knots. Uh, but that's from men and women. Just as soon as you get to that, that high level black belt, that's like, you think, you know, jujitsu? <laughs> right. We, we have a, uh, a couple women in, in our class and one of them, her name is Riley. She's 17, about to be 18. And I've been training with her since I think she was 12 or 13. Mm -hmm. And um, she's always been a hard role, even as a, a, a young teenager. And one thing that I always mention is when I roll with her is 
and to your point, why women should roll the men and men should roll with women is yes, I, I do weigh like, you know, 60, 70 pounds more than her. I am much stronger and whatnot, but using that is like, doesn't benefit either one of us if we, mm-hmm. when we roll, right. I have to be very technical with her because when she does capitalize on all of my mistakes, like mm-hmm. I'm like sitting there and I'll have her inside control and I'm like, ah, I got her. And then all of a sudden like a leg comes over and like, she's super flexible <laughs> and she's on my back. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Right. And I don't yeah. think you get that with a, unless they're a smaller, you know, person of the same sex that you can, you know, experience that with. I just don't, I just think it's like a completely different and it really makes you look to once again, to your point, I think it really makes you look at your, the way you roll and mm-hmm. how you roll. And it makes you have that, have to take your self-awareness to a whole nother level with, within that. Do you have, when you roll, when men roll with you, mm-hmm. um, what do are you looking for in a good training partner? Obviously you don't want someone that's going to go too easy on you and just let you right. win the round. That's and you so obviously don't want someone that's going to just completely smash you the entire time and put you in danger. Yeah. How, how, how can a man navigate that in your perspective? Yeah. You know, I actually, this didn't make it into the documentary, but it was in part of my interview with Fionn Davies and she had a really good answer to that. Um, which is like, I think a lot of times we talk about it, like, well, don't use all of your strength, you know, like, uh, back your strength up or, or try to, I don't know, but, but that's just so like kind of difficult to, to visualize or conceptualize. And so she said, you know, if it wouldn't work on someone your size, don't do it to me. Right. Um, so that's what she always says. And I think that's a really great way of, of approaching it. But to me, I don't know, I'd kind of rather you sit on me than be too nice to me because <laughs> I, I have to learn how to deal with, you know, somebody who's being too strong with me too. And I think, um, that's just part of the variety of training in jujitsu. You know, it's like you can roll with somebody who's being really technical with you. And that's really helpful because that works to your technique. But if you're working with somebody who, like I said, has grabbed that arm and is not giving it back. Okay. That's a new thing I need to figure out how to, how to deal with. Um, not that I have figured out how to deal with it yet, but <laughs> it's a, me neither. We have, yeah. we have, a, we have this guy that recently just moved. He's a brown belt now, but he was a purple belt uh, when he was training with us. And it was the same thing. His name was Chris. He would he would grab me, and I was like, <laughs> "Bro, like I'm I'm pretty strong." And yeah. <laughs> this guy, he would grab my like lapel or something like that. And I was like, "I you you own that. I could just yeah. take my. You want the gi? Like what? <laughs> I don't know. Here. I don't know what you want from me in this situation. Like this is this is your yours now. It's like right. It, it, it the the problem solving. You know, it kind of. And then it kind of it makes me think like, okay, well, now I just don't let them get there. Like, how can I just sure, stop yeah. them from getting there? How's your problem solving change when you're facing these uh, situations where you're like, okay, I, now that I'm here, I just don't have anything. Uh, one, because yeah. my technical ability, my physical capabilities or whatever it is. How How is your problem solving changed now? Well, I think um, I get this mindset when I roll with big guys of like, dear God, whatever I do, do not get on bottom, right? Amen. Because yeah, <laughs> you're like you're As never a bigger getting out guy of that. Too, I'm the same way. Um, <laughs> so, but I think that's kind of fun because I I have this kind of like desperate need to to like kind of chain and scramble and yeah. like stay up as much as I can, and that kind of breeds a lot of creativity um, when you have that. I mean, I say desperation. I'm not getting like I'm not spazzing. I don't think. Right. I mean, no, nobody's told me I'm spazzing, <laughs> but. Um, of just like, you know, I have to stay on top. Okay, I'm actually going to use more leverage. I'm going to find a grip that I didn't think of before because I know I have to use him to stay on top of him. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, I think it just gets a little bit more creative when you have that kind of fire under your butt. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> 
Ready to spice up your Thanksgiving? As we dive headfirst into the mountains of mashed potatoes and cranberry sauce, let's talk about the unsung hero of the holiday season, the Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0. That's right, it's time to go cold turkey on the old razors and take care of your own turkey leg with the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Visit manscaped.com, use code ETP20 for 20% off and free shipping, and enjoy Thanksgiving in the style with the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Gobble, gobble, boys. Listen, Manscaped has been the longest sponsor of the podcast for, I don't even know, two years now almost. And it's an incredible partnership. I love everything that Manscaped has sent me. And I am so thankful that they've been uh, the sponsor of the podcast through another holiday season for you guys. Honestly, the Lawnmower 5.0 is a true game changer. They keep refining the design to help more and more men with the dual color LED spotlights for multiple skin tones. And just everything about this just gets better. Better and better. Honestly, all the products you get from them, you, you can't miss. So the gift of Manscaped doesn't stop there though. The bundle comes with two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers 2.0 Premium, absolutely love them, and the Shed 2.0 Travel Bag. Get 20% off and free shipping with code ETP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using code ETP20. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Thank you, Manscaped, for sponsoring this episode. When I first started jujitsu, the main position that always was like, I, I have claustrophobia and jujitsu has really helped me like overcome it. Um, and one position that always got me was just uh, neon belly, right? Like mm. I used to call it like neon soul. It was like just, <laughs> if someone got neon belly on me, there was like no way I knew how, especially a solid neon belly. I was like, I just had no idea how to get out of there. And it just took me a long time to figure out, you know, what to do in order to one, not let them get there. And then two, how to yeah. get out of it safely. Mm -hmm. uh, what position? Yeah, right. Uh, what <laughs> or Darst, my buddy Cody yeah. would, would Darst me from there all the time. Uh, what position has was your like your kryptonite when when you first started jujitsu, and is it still that way? I think uh, mount. You know what? I think my real kryptonite was like a scarf hold. Just people oh. just sit across your diaphragm and just like crush your soul. God. We have yeah, a guy that bulldogs I, choke from there, and I'm like, I hate you. Oh no! <laughs> my new, uh, my new one is just a judo side. Uh, my professor Ray, if he gets there, I'm like, this is my life now. You know, um, you're just sitting on my diaphragm, and just like <laughs> that's all that's happening. Um, but I really, at the beginning, um, I struggled with anything that like really covered up my face um, and made it difficult to breathe. I think that's always yeah. really hard. Um, and which is really funny because like my husband, Tyler now is like really getting into his smother game. So he'll just be, and he'll just, you know, cover the mouth and I'm like, God damn it. He's, you know? Um, but I think that's a, that's one of those ones that's really interesting. Cause you're like, I know I'm not being submitted. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to go out. I'm not going to break anything, but this really sucks. Um, so, and especially like in, uh, in a mount when you get that kind of like mother's milk yeah. type thing and they're just smashing your face or, or if you're in a like scarf hold, I think is a good one. If they're kind of like weirdly positioned and your face is stuck in there, those are tough for me. Those ones where you can't breathe. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Like we, whenever someone gets like in a solid case of Tommy's position, I'm like, great. They, thanks man. <laughs> like just put my chest <laughs> through my back. That's okay. I don't yeah. Really care. <laughs> you know? When you're when you're filming your documentary, obviously you're filming people that are sometimes in uh, less advantageous positions or um, positions of vulnerability and stuff like that. How did you uh, 
help the people in the documentary feel safe about you showing that side of them. Like, Hey, I I'm doing mm-hmm. this cause I want you to look good. I'm not trying to show this in any other aspect. Did anyone have right. any reservations about, you know, being vulnerable? I mean, even yourself, like there's plenty of times when you're <laughs> yeah. showing a very emotional side on that. Was there yeah. any reservations during it? Like someone's like, Hey, I really don't want you to show that. Or, uh, maybe I shouldn't bring this up or can you actually take that out? Was there any of that? Oh yeah. In the interviews, I didn't, I really didn't have any of that. I mean, people, I think, uh, I, I don't know. I think people, the the people that I interviewed weren't afraid to say the things that they said. Um, and I think they were all pretty much all well-spoken. And so they said what they meant to say, which was cool. Um, as in terms of like uh, filming the women rolling, uh, I would always ask, you know, like, do you mind if my husband films our role? Um, and they were always just like, no, that, you know, everybody was fine with it. I was, it was, I kind of expected some people to be like more upset about it. Uh, I sometimes got a request that's like, just don't make me look like I suck too bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and I always, I always tried to be really judicious with the clips that I use. I never wanted to make it look like I was winning more than I was or losing more than I was. So I was trying to kind of accurately portray the roles. Um, you know, especially like if I'm rolling with a black belt, that's a really hard one because I, you want to show that they're letting you work. They're trying to teach you things and kind of like have that sense of community that we talked about where they're, you know, lifting you up. But I also don't want it to look like I'm beating up a black belt. You know what I mean? So that was kind of difficult to show. Um, but I did my best to really show like me getting smashed and me trying things and kind of show a, a more objective view of the role instead of just like trying to make myself look like a badass the whole time. Yeah. And I think it, once again, going back to like the whole feel of it, I think your documentary does a, a great job of like kind of destroying like these social norms, I guess you could say, of like women can't be strong and feminine it's like you know mm-hmm. it's like uh all these like s- stupid ideas that people have in their head men and women right because i'm sure that you're you'll you hear from women too like oh i couldn't do that like no yeah. jujitsu is not for me like what uh-huh. what do you hope comes out of your documentary do you hope to bring more women into jujitsu or is it to empower the ones that are already there or a little bit of both it's definitely both i think um <clears throat> I think the thing that convinced me to start jujitsu is seeing how much more it is than just a sport. You know, it's not like going and playing soccer on the weekends or something like that. It's uh, it's really life changing. And so I really wanted to show the women who were like, you know, thinking maybe it's too scary to even try how worth it is to give it a try. Um, and then of course for the women who are in it, because it's so tough to keep going. And that's true for men and women. It's just like, yeah. why am I doing this to myself? This is crazy. Um, and I think understanding that you're not alone and feeling all those things about wanting to quit, wanting to cry, wanting to just like, uh, why do I suck so much? And like, why am I not learning anything? I just learned this yesterday. Why am I still doing it wrong? Um, that that's all totally normal. And I think that makes you feel like you can keep going. Like you're on a journey, not like you're just failing over and over again. So how, how do you train outside of just in the mats? Do you watch like instructionals or anything like that? watch YouTube videos like my, my buddy Jordan Pressinger uh, over at Jordan Teaches Jiu-Jitsu. He's another uh, great YouTube channel if that's, that, if that's you're into. But do you watch like instructionals or anything like that? Um, I do sometimes if I'm like really getting stuck in a certain spot. Like uh, when we first opened the gym, uh, so I've, I've always been like the 
I don't know, I guess just like most of the places that I've trained have always been the lower belt. And so, you know, like in terms of the just kind of etiquette of jujitsu, I was always starting passing guard. So I had like no guard game. Then we opened this gym, all these white belts come in and all of a sudden I'm the upper belt and I'm supposed to be, you know, playing guard. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> you know? um, and I was supposed to be showing them that like, I know some jujitsu. Um, so that was one time where I was like, okay, I really need to kind of bolster my um, guard game a little bit. And I just looked up like some basic sweeps from from guard and, and that's actually something that has been interesting in my uh my kind of learning journey with jujitsu because we traveled so much I had kind of like random holes in my jujitsu because there was no coach who's like oh you don't know this yet you should learn it so I like taught myself the tripod sweep you know what I mm-hmm. mean a really basic thing um but then at the same time the kind of comments that I got were like, you're really good at moving, you know, because I was rolling with so many different people that I had to adapt all the time to, to whatever their game was. And it was always a new game. I never knew what it was. It was just like, just keep moving. Um, so yeah, that, that was kind of interesting. I was, I, every once in a while I'm like, Oh yeah, that's a weird hole that I feel like I probably should have learned as a white belt, you know, but yeah, I feel it now. (laughs) You mentioned like the, the traveling around the gyms. One thing that I'm, I'm sure that you saw was some, some gyms being a little cleaner than others. Some people being <laughs> a little bit cleaner than others. Uh-huh. Uh, have you ever had an experience with like, uh, you know, like I'm, I hate to say it, but we do have stinky people in the community. Mm, They're like, I we know, do we have do, people that yeah. are like, ah, come on, man. Like, <laughs> have you had experience any of that yet? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's people who stink, <laughs> you know, they don't know it, but it's okay. <laughs> That's to me, it's not a big deal because it's yeah, like, same. especially like jujitsu, you're not going in there to be comfortable. It's just another, it's just another facet of not being comfortable. So you're kind of like, all right, let's go. Yeah. And that beautiful part is you it. can say no, right? Like, Yeah, like, you can. If it's like really bad and you're just not feeling it, just be like, nah, I'm, I'm tired. Yeah. 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 There's uh one thing that we, a couple of the guys in my academy had, uh, before it was like ringworm and staff. Luckily, mm-hmm. I have never, never gotten it. Uh, one of the show's sponsors is a defense soap or bo- uh, g- grapple guard body wash. And like I use it like after I train now to like kill yeah. all that nasty stuff because I am like so worried about like getting like ringworm or rash guard. Have you ever had yeah. any close calls with it yet? No, I haven't had either of those. <sighs> um, yeah, I, either. I, I think we've been to pretty clean gyms where we've been there's been like a couple where i've you know there's like oh this guy has staff at the gym and you're like ah um but <laughs> at least that's how i feel i know where i stay away <laughs> um but no i i'm lucky i haven't had any contact with that and neither has my husband um but we our gym we keep very clean we like we got the like specific um jujitsu mat cleaners like none of this like hippie natural stuff like i love to live my life like that but not when it comes to these jujitsu mats that get nasty um so yeah we're very clean give me the the acids the the nuclear bombs i got whatever (laughs) whatever we need do you guys i uh, wanted to burn my skin oh man (laughs) i know for sure it's working now like (laughs) yes yes so do you plan on ever making a a, another documentary or or more jujitsu documentaries has it like sparked a a fire underneath you to be like i really enjoyed this like i want to do it again yeah, it's a good question. I've had uh, my my coach Ray was like, "Okay, where's part two? And I'm like, "Whoa!" <laughs> and some uh, some people have said to do like you know global jujitera or something like all over the world. 
Um, but I like America. I like our country. I don't know. I just like staying here. Yeah. <laughs> I also think I, um, I have a really kind of personal interest in starting things and like what that initial journey is like of like getting into something. And so that's kind of what my style of documentaries has been is, is being kind of a lens for like understanding what this new thing is, whether it's traveling full time or hunting or jujitsu. And so <clears throat> I don't know exactly what it would be if I were to continue on with it, but yeah, I don't have plans for anything. What was the hardest of part of the whole documentary process? Uh, <clears throat> the editing for sure. It was, um, a just an insane amount of footage to go through and like each of those interviews I've done were somewhere between half an hour and an hour long oh wow plus yeah and then like me sitting in front of the camera trying to figure out what I'm feeling as I'm a newbie in jiu-jitsu like those are all like 20-30 minutes long and there's so many more that didn't make it in there and just trying to sift through everything and try to find the storyline because you know there's so many other things that happened in my journey that I didn't talk about just because you know, I want to tell a story. I don't need you to know every single detail of everything that happened. But that was definitely the hardest part is just like, this is so much to go through. What, how did you choose between, uh, you know, because each person, each person you interviewed probably has, you know, I would say what, 10, 20 minutes of footage, each one answering the questions, telling their stories. How did you choose what would be the best? And did you have, how many cuts did it take for you to get to the final product? Oh God. <laughs> um, so my kind of process for the interviews was I printed all of them out into this ginormous binder so wow. that I had a visual kind of way to flip back and forth because, um, so I edit in Premiere and it's like, you have all these little chunks and you can color code them, but there's only so many colors. And then it's kind of like, well, what was this chunk? What was this chunk? And you end up spending your time trying to remember what the chunks were. And so I had this binder where I color coded it. I had tabs um, that I could just go back to and, and find those moments. And so I started out by just cutting out what I thought were kind of the most aha moments for me or the most well, well said kind of things, just things that really stood out to me. And then um, I started kind of categorizing those based on the things that I had felt in my journey since that was going to be the through line um, and then kind of c collecting those together. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of fitting them in. I must have gone through, I don't even know how many iterations of trying to fit things together. It started out so long and I had to cut it way down. <laughs> and then there were like, I did the ending and I was like, this feels like Lord of the Rings. I feel like there's like three endings here. This isn't ending right. And then, so I had to rework that. And uh, I, that's one of the things about um, that I actually did learn from my theater degree, which is like the saying, like, that's a great bit, cut it. You know, if it doesn't fit the story, just get rid of it. It doesn't matter how good it is. Um, and so I'm kind of playing with the idea of doing maybe a little video of some of my other favorite sound bites and moments that didn't make it in because they weren't quite relevant. Um, just to kind of share those because there were just so many great things that these Jujutera said. I mean, like some of these people just like it was like a podcast you know and i'm like i just kind of there's so many good things here I, I feel like i should share some more of them maybe you could put it behind a paywall like a director's cut like, yeah. like a supporter page just on patreon there you go, there you go. you're like hey guys like you want to see the director's cut these raw unedited yeah. interviews i just started out it's there i'll take 10 percent <laughs> <laughs> no that's great though like what would in your eyes what was the most common uh thing that you saw between all of your interviews 
when it, it came to, you know, asking these questions or did you have like a set set of questions? First of all, did you ask the same people, the same questions over and over again? I had, I kind of like it, it evolved as I did the interviews. And so like certain questions, like I didn't formulate well and they didn't really like come across, you know, um, and other questions, you know, were things that I thought were going to be kind of monumental at the beginning of my journey. And just, it didn't end up mattering that much. Um, and then, so yeah, I think I, I had a, a list of topics that I wanted to cover and then I kind of like rearranged and, and kind of adjusted the questions based on each person, based on their journey and what I thought they could speak to uh, within that topic. But I definitely always had my kind of like, I know I want to hit this thing. And I even like, I would kind of try to, um, okay. <laughs> so we have a marketing company, um, where I've, you know, we film with our clients. And so I've gotten pretty good at like understanding how to make a question to get somebody to say the thing that I want them to say. And so, uh, I, I'd be like, I know I want you to say this thing that I know has happened in your journey. How do I ask the question to point you in the right direction to where you say that? And you give me what I want to hear. It sounds like really leading <laughs> questions, but I mean, that's I didn't what, tell that's anybody what, we what do. to say. That's what podcasting yeah. is. It's like, I have like an idea of where I want this interview to go. And yeah. so I formulate questions that leave it broad enough to where you can explain yourself, but it's guided in a direction to where I can hopefully ask the next question that right. makes it flow great. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think, I think the documentary is great. It's beautiful. Uh, I'm, Thank you. I, I loved it from the second I started watching it. And I, like I mentioned too, like as, as uh, uh, the opposite side of it, it's incredible to see, especially, you know, it's got 50,000 views as of today in the last two weeks, lots of comments, a lot of men commenting on, on yeah. how they felt, you know, inspiring it was to see this too. I think it's a, a great thing. I'm super happy you did it. If you do make a number two, that'd be even cooler. Like, I don't know. I, I, it would have to be like a, a global thing though. And that's yeah, I know. way more expensive. Real big. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Crowdfunded, though. There you go. <laughs> so, but hey, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show today, Andrea. And this was uh, a phenomenal conversation. Uh, if people want to follow you or check out the documentary, where can they find it at and where can they follow you? Yeah, so the documentary is American Jujutera. Um, if you just search for that on YouTube, you'll find it. I think actually we're ranking pretty well for women's jujitsu. So if you search for that, it should come up on YouTube. Um, it's free to watch. Uh, if you want to follow that, it's on Instagram as well. Um, uh, my kind of, it's not a personal brand, but it's more like the brand that encompasses all the things that I do is Wild Hicksons. And that's Hicksons with an S in the middle there. Um, and then if you want to support the project, you know, this was all something that I just, you know, my husband, and I just wanted to do. And so it was self-funded and everything like that. Uh, so the best way to support it is to watch it, share it. Um, and if you want to buy a rash guard, the American Jujutera rash guards are uh, on cruise combat and they're honestly pretty cool. So. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This was a phenomenal conversation. I learned a lot. Uh, and I, I can't recommend this, guys. If you haven't watched it yet, please click the link down below and and, and go watch it and let me know what you think about it because it is uh it's very cool to see the other side of the story and to uh, see all these inspiring women in the sport and uh, I think you did a great job with that. So thank you so much for for hanging out with me today. Thank you. It was uh, so much fun. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening and watching at home. Be sure to go follow them everywhere. Go check it out, and uh, I'll catch you later. Remember, no oil checks here. Peace.